do we have the wisdom and the courage to clearly understand that the CCP is the biggest threat the West faces? That was Leon Lee, director of the film Unsilenced, discussing the threat the Chinese Communist Party poses to America. And this is the Daily Signal podcast for Wednesday, February 9th. I'm Doug Blair. And I'm Virginia Allen. The Chinese Communist Party has committed countless human rights abuses against its own people. In 1999, the Chinese government banned the spiritual practice known as Falun Gong. Those who refused to recant were imprisoned, tortured, and even killed. Leon Lee tells the story of those who stood against the Chinese Communist Party and defended Falun Gong in his new film, Unsilenced. Lee joins me on the show today to discuss the film and the threat China poses to the entire Western world. Before we get to that conversation with Leon Lee, let's hit our top news stories of the day. Leading GOP voices are telling Joe Rogan, stop apologizing. After Rogan used the N-word during some past episodes of his podcast, he ended up removing those podcast episodes and apologizing. But for some GOP voices, that doesn't sit right. In a Fox News interview, Governor Ron DeSantis, who is a Republican, said, no, he shouldn't have apologized. I mean, you see what happens? The mob will come after people, and they're targeting Rogan because he's threatening to upset the apple cart on some of the things that they're holding dear. In addition to Governor DeSantis, President Trump also weighed in. In a Monday statement, he said, Joe Rogan is an interesting and popular guy, but he's got to stop apologizing to the fake news and radical left maniacs and lunatics. As well as Governor DeSantis and former President Trump, Rumble, a free speech-oriented streaming platform popular with those in the conservative movement, offered Joe Rogan $4 million over four years to join their platform and dump Spotify. As of the recording of this podcast, Rogan is still on Spotify. Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has a message for the truckers who are taking part in the Freedom Convoy. The message, in short, is this. Stop the protest now. Trudeau wrote on Twitter Monday night that Canadians have the right to protest, to disagree with their government, and to make their voices heard. And he added that we'll always protect that right. But then Trudeau said this, but let's be clear, they don't have the right to blockade our economy or our democracy or our fellow citizens' daily lives. It has to stop. The prime minister's remarks come after Ottawa declared a state of emergency on Sunday because of the trucker convoy. Hundreds of trucks and cars have formed a caravan to protest the vaccine mandate for truckers entering Canada. The convoy has been blocking roads in Ottawa and causing disruption across the city. Some truckers say they will continue the protest until the vaccine mandate is lifted. Popular social media site TikTok has released some new guidelines surrounding LGBT individuals. These guidelines include bans on using transgender individuals' old names or pronouns, which is called dead naming, or promoting pro-conversion therapy. TikTok head of trust and safety Cormac Keenan released a statement that said, Our policies are designed to foster an experience that prioritizes safety, inclusion, and authenticity. They take into account emerging trends or threats observed across the internet and on our platform. That quote was reported via the Washington Examiner. 
The policy will go into effect within the next few weeks, and users can expect to see guidelines promoting these new policies popping up on their feeds relatively soon. Now stay tuned for my conversation with Leon Lee as we discuss the dark realities of the Chinese Communist Party. Americans use firearms to defend themselves between 500,000 and 2 million times every year. God forbid that my mother is ever faced with a scenario where she has to stop a threat to her life. But if she is, I hope politicians protected by professional armed security didn't strip her of the right to use the firearm she can handle most competently. To watch the rest of Heritage Expert Amy Swear's testimony on assault weapons before the House Judiciary Committee, head to the Heritage Foundation YouTube channel. There you'll find talks, events, and documentaries backed with the reputation of the nation's most broadly supported public policy research institute. Start watching now at heritage.org YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe and share. It was 1999, and there were about 100 million people in China following the spiritual practice of Falun Gong. Falun Gong is a set of exercises and meditations, but a religion in the sense that it avows a path to salvation for those who practice faithfully. The practice was founded in China in the early 1990s, but grew in popularity very quickly. Soon, the Chinese Communist Party saw it as a threat. So in 1999, China banned Falun Gong. Those who refuse to recant Falun Gong risk everything doing so. Their story is told in the new film, Unsilenced. The movie is based on true events and follows the story of a small group of students who put their lives on the line to stand up against the propaganda of the Chinese Communist Party. Unsilenced was written, produced, and directed by Leon Lee, who joins us here on the show today. Mr. Lee, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Mr. Lee, Unsilenced is far from your first film. You have written, directed, and produced multiple films that shine a light on human rights abuses. Your 2014 film, Human Harvest, exposed China's illegal organ trade, and that film won a Peabody Award. And making films about human rights abuses, that, that's really a weighty calling. Why have you chosen to make movies that expose injustice in our world? Well, I had a love for cinema since I was young. Uh, I'm not very proud to say this, but I actually often skipped classes to go to the movie theaters. <laughs> <laughs> um, then I was the typical, you know, student in China who really loves the country, loves the people, and loves the Communist Party. We were told uh, that, that to love uh, the party is to love the people that the party is uh, more important even than your parents. Then um, in 2006, I, uh, I left China, immigrated to uh, Canada, and a friend of mine showed me the footage of the 1989 Tiananmen massacre. I was very angry after seeing the footage, mm. not towards the Chinese regime, but towards my friend. I asked him, why do you betray our motherland like this? Why do you believe this propaganda fabricated by the CIA? Mm -hmm. That's what I was told. And my friend was patient with me, and he said, take your time, do your own research. 
And boy, as soon as I started doing my own research, a whole world opened in front of me. I learned so many things I did not know before. And it is right then、um, I wanted to do something. And then、uh, I actually came across、uh, a newspaper article about illegal organ harvesting in China, which was the subject matter of human harvest. I reached out to David Maitis and David Kilgore, who were the two Canadians that pioneered the investigation. And、uh, eight years later, we had、uh, the film done.、Um, and since then, I just kept going,、uh, making more films, shedding lights on human rights atrocities in China, hoping to、uh, to make a change. Wow, that's a long journey to spend. Eight years pouring your heart and soul into that first movie,、um, Human Harvest, and, and all your films are are so so excellent. But your latest, as, as I mentioned, Unsilenced,、uh, such such a powerful film. I just watched it, and it goes into detail, really,、uh, from、uh, showing this personal perspective from the perspective of these students, of of young people who were in the middle of this situation in China in 1999 when Falun Gong. Was、uh, was banned by the Chinese Communist Party. Why why was this a story in particular that you decided needed to be told? When I was working on my last documentary, a letter from Masanya, someone told me,、uh, "You need to meet、uh, Mr. Wang. He had spent eight and a half years in a Chinese prison. He was from the prestigious Tsinghua University." Uh, I knew the reputation of the university. It was considered China's MIT, and I was very curious to know、uh, his story. So we met, we sat down, and he spent about half a day telling me his story in detail. I was completely blown away.、Uh, the creative ways he and his friends came up to counter the government propaganda, his courage and determination in facing、uh, all these. Difficulties in his life. It was just very moving,、uh, and、yeah. uh, right then I felt that what he had done, that his spirit represented、uh, what you know in traditional Chinese culture people would do. In a way, I realized, wait a minute, this、uh, this persecution of Falun Gong goes beyond a human rights atrocity. This is part of the CCP's. Efforts to eradicate traditional Chinese culture that that started from you know、uh, the Cultural Revolution, and in a way that the Falun Gong practitioners in China they're not only fighting for freedom of belief and freedom of speech, they're fighting to be reconnected to their root. And then I thought I I need to make a film, so you know dozens of drafts later and months and months、uh, we finally got it done. Wow, well, and I I think it's just incredible to hear how that that worked out. That meeting that you had with Wang in in two thousand eighteen, and、um, the film so beautifully follows his story, the story of him and his friends. And you mentioned some of those creative ways that they came up with、uh, to really、uh, push back against the propaganda of. Of the Communist Party in China, share just a little bit, and I don't want to give too much away for our listeners because everyone needs to see the film for themselves. But share a little bit just、uh, of Wang's story and of、um, those、uh, those practices that that they used 
to actually be a voice of truth and to try and um, and push back against that propaganda. Sure, Wang is in uh, a PhD candidate uh, at Tsinghua, and uh, he had a bright future. If he wanted to uh, work for a multinational company, if he wanted to start his own business, if he wanted to go to politics, uh, it's basically uh, smooth sailing for him. Uh, but he picked up this practice of Falun Gong, which, by the uh, way, was actually welcomed and supported by the Chinese regime up until 1999, when they realized that there were more people practicing Falun Gong than the membership of the Communist Party. So they launched the crackdown in almost overnight. These innocent, you know, carefree students suddenly became the enemy of the states. There were probably over 2,000 newspapers in China, hundreds of TV stations, uh, and the entire internet space. Everything is controlled by the government. So they, it's, it's incredibly difficult for Wang and his friends to, to really get their voices heard. Um, after being expelled from the university, they teamed up. They started distributing uh, leaflets. Uh, sometimes door-to-door, sometimes using balloons. Uh, and they tried to contact uh, Western journalists who are stationed in China, who themselves are under close surveillance uh, by, the, by the CCP. So everybody really have to risk their lives and uh, use their wisdom to find ways to uh, counter the propaganda and, and fight for their freedom and for their life. And why were people like Wong willing to risk everything to put their lives on the line to defend the practice of Falun Gong? That's a great question. Um, I asked everybody I interviewed, uh, what's your source of strength? Why, uh, how, how come you were able to do this in such difficult circumstances? And um, what I got are actually, you know, mostly simple answers. Things like people felt is, is the right thing to do. Uh, mm-hmm. In other occasions, uh, one, for example, what he told me uh, was that the central uh, tenets of Falun Gong are truthfulness, compassion, and tolerance. So for him, uh, being true, truthful to himself, being truthful to others, uh, stand up for the truth and speak the truth is, is very important. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he realized very soon that this persecution is not only targeting the practitioners of Falun Gong. Um, it, it basically, uh, almost everyone in China is forced to get involved because we see uh, neighbors are forced to turn in uh, practitioners they know. You know, husbands are forced to divorce their wives. In, uh, you know, students are kicked out of school. Uh, workers are uh, fired from their workplace. If, for example, um, a general manager or a party secretary, if someone in, in, in his or her workplace or unit is discovered to be a practitioner, then the entire management will be implicated. So he felt that this is really destroy uh, people's conscience and morality in China, justice. So he wanted to not only uh, defend Falun Gong, but also defend justice. 
So nobody ha- yeah. would be forced to turn against others. I think that's that's a key motivation for him. Yeah. Well, it's really um, illustrated very well, I think, in the movie. Um, and I think you you do such a good job of articulating and, and explaining in the film how China uses propaganda to further the message that the Communist Party wants to tell. So how how does China effectively promote propaganda uh, to get its citizens to believe what they want it to believe? Well, um, number one, the Department of Propaganda, it is the actual name of that department. But later on, they changed it to Department of Publicity. But same mm-hmm. thing, really. They have a huge budget to effectively control every single media outlet. The editors I interviewed told me they sometimes receive dozens of directives a day from the Department of Propaganda detailing what word to use, what words to censor, and even the size of pictures, how to uh, effectively control people. And um, Mm -hmm. that's on the media side. On the the internet, of course, we know the... uh, the Great Firewall. People in China do not have access to Google, to YouTube, to Facebook, to uh, the, the vast majority of, of Western media. So uh, once people don't have access to information, it's a lot easier to manipulate um, the story, manipulate people's mind. And I interviewed someone who was from a secret unit in China's Academy of Social Science. And there's a whole task force. Their mandate is to basically uh, shape what people uh, receive from uh, the news and to in, in order to shape their worldview. I'll give you, let's say, two examples. One is whenever there is a uh, some sort of incident, whether it's natural disaster or it's some sort of catastrophe, in the U.S., for example, you will see on Chinese media, there will be uh, extensive coverage so that the Chinese people will have this impression, oh, things are not going well in the U.S. Uh, another example is if there is an election in Taiwan. Of course, decades ago, they would just completely censor the news. But nowadays, they can't censor it completely. So they, 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 they report it. Uh, but... It's a tiny article coupled with a big picture. And the picture is, you know, sometimes in Taiwan's parliament, they still actually fight physically. So they would have a picture of a chaotic picture of physical fighting in Taiwan parliament. And then the readers will come to their own conclusion. Oh my goodness. After all, democracy is not that good. So they have very sophisticated ways to manipulate people's perception. And uh, this gentleman who I interviewed with uh, decided to defect, not returning to China. So he, he told us, you know, what was really going on. There's a line in the film that Wang speaks. He says, one day the lies will be seen for what they are. And how far do you think we are from that day, from people actually seeing the lies of the Communist Party and then working to expose them because you've just outlined 
how China uses propaganda. They've been doing it for decades, for years and years and years. Are we moving in the right direction at all? Absolutely. I'm very, I'm actually very hopeful, and I'm hopeful for a reason. I'll give you two examples. One,、um, quite often in my screenings,、uh, whether it's in North America or in Europe,、uh, I, I see Chinese、uh, people coming to see my film, and、uh, if I compare their reactions, say, you know, ten years ago、uh, to now, I can certainly see、uh, a big difference. Uh, in in the very beginning, people were accusing me,、uh, "How come I don't make films to promote Chinese culture? Why I wanted to help the Western anti-China forces to defame our country?" But last time, for example, I had a screening of, of my documentary in Vancouver, and three、uh, young girls、uh, from China came. They waited until everybody left. They told and they approached me. They said they were on、uh, exchange program from China. They've been in Canada for two months, but the last two hour was the highlight of their two months in Canada.、Mm. They had no idea that this is happening in China, and they promised me when they go back, they will tell everybody they know what they've learned here.、Mm. So that's giving me hope, and I was also told that some of my films were among the most Pirated、uh, political films in China. <laughs> so that's that's <laughs> when you want your movie to be pirated. Yes,、right? that's good to know. <laughs> another good to another know. very important thing I like to mention, which I think is probably the most underreported thing about China now. In two thousand four, there was a website set up、uh, which started this Tweedown movement. Which essentially is to quit the CCP and its affiliated organizations like、uh, the Youth League or the Young Pioneer, and people just go there and you know say I, I quit. In the beginning, I didn't pay much attention. It's a, it's a website, right?、Mm-hmm. But last time I checked, there were over three hundred and eighty million people in China. Three hundred and eighty million people have gone to the website. Some used aliases,、uh, some used their real names. Some will just say "I quit." Some actually write a long essay, detailing their why they wanted to quit. And I reached out to the organizers of this website, and I wanted to see some data myself. As far as I can tell, this is real. This is the real、wow. deal. So that's encouraging. It takes courage in China, even to use an alias to. Bypass the firewall, go to the website, and say you quit. And these people are the seeds. When the right time comes, they will be the force for change.、Mm. That's encouraging to hear. Well, we we've spoken about Wang and his incredible story that that's featured in the film, highlighted in the film, Unsilenced. Now, I again, I want people to go to go see the movie for themselves, but share a little bit just about how how Wang is doing today. Well, if you ask me, I, I don't know if, if he would admit to it, but I think he suffers from PTSD. I mean, the first time I met him,、uh, the way when he drives, he still looks、uh, back at his shoulder, and he's he's really careful. And、um, 
when the film is released, I, I invited her to, him to the premiere, but he he declined. He uh, I think he doesn't want to you know too much limelight. At the same time, I think he's really enjoying some uh, quality time with his family here. Uh, he has a, uh, a a great job. That's uh, and he continues his efforts. You know, he's not hiding somewhere. I believe he still attends different uh, forums and events to uh, tell his story. Uh, so I'm I'm happy that even after eight and a half years in harsh Chinese prison, uh, they although. Uh, he suffered a lot, but they did not really break him. Yeah, oh, it's really um, incredible. It's incredible to watch his story played out on screen and the the determination that he walked in. Um, I just can't really put words to it. I think you know so many people right now are are thinking a little bit more about about China, who maybe previously haven't. For one, it's obviously in the news a lot. And then um, there are conversations taking place around the Olympics. And, uh, you know, I think the world is is watching. Um, but what do you think that the message is that is being sent to China um, by by allowing them to host the Olympics? Did Did the international community make a mistake on this? From the um, from the perspective of the CCP, I, I had interviewed people who are relatively higher ups, and uh, for a long time, they were actually amazed that the West is either naive uh, or, uh, I, for lack of a better word, let's just say that they, they were just so amazed that they they actually got their way. That the West actually mm-hmm. believed that by engaging uh, with the CCP, and somehow the dictators will change their mind and make China more open uh, and more democratic. So um, now, you know, they realize: okay, it seems like the West is reaching a new consensus that uh, the CCP. Uh, poses a threat to our way of life in the West. But at the same time, they realized that uh, people are not willing to take action. Take the diplomatic boycott, for example. It's clear that the West wants to send a signal maybe to satisfy a domestic audience, Um, but they're not willing to go the extra mile to, to take concrete action. They're not willing to really challenge the CCP. Uh, and I think they're emboldened. I mm. think uh, I'm, I'm very worried about what's going to happen to Taiwan. I'm, I'm worried that now uh, the CCP is, realizes that the West is forming a new consensus. They will do other things uh, to try to accelerate their goal, which at the end of the day is global dominance, because they they consider uh, democracy, especially the United States, as an existential threat to the CCP. Um, and, yeah. and, they, and, and they have a long-term goal, you know. So whether the West boycotts the Olympics is, is actually, that doesn't mean much to me personally. What I worry more about is 
do we recognize that the CCP does not represent 1.4 billion Chinese people? Do we have the wisdom and the courage to distinguish that and then formulate our policies uh, to deal with the CCP, to deal with their aggression? Clearly understand that the CCP is the biggest threat the West faces and have corresponding policies. Uh, otherwise, it's, it's not looking good. And from what you're saying, it, it's just, in other words, sounds like China, at least right now, doesn't, doesn't feel threatened by the U.S., by the West, that they're not seeing, um, they're just seeing a lot of talk and, and not maybe enough forceful action to make them really change their ways. Right. I think uh, the, the CCP leaders are ruthless, but they're not stupid. <laughs> they're very mm-hmm. sophisticated. So they understand what's going on. They understand the weaknesses uh, of the West, in particular the United States uh, at the moment. So they will uh, exploit uh, all the weaknesses, whether it is mm-hmm. ideology, whether it is uh, freedom of speech here, uh, whether it's the political situation here in the U.S. So I think it's, it's, it's critical that people from you know all walks of life and from all sides come to recognize that despite the differences, there's, there's one thing we, that, that should truly unite us. And then what, what should the American government be doing? What action should they be taking that they're not right now? Number one is to really recognize that the CCP is not representing the Chinese people. So when, when the U.S. administration used terms like China, now the, the CCP can hide behind 1.4 billion people and say something like, oh, this, you are hurting the feelings of 1.4 billion people. Lots of uh, CCP leaders, their wealth and their family are actually in the U.S., And the U.S. already has the legal tools to sanction people who committed human rights atrocities and even seize their assets. So Hmm. that that would be very effective. Then they will actually, uh, the CCP will hear hear this loud and clear. Uh, And and also, what about some concrete support uh, to to the groups that's, that's fighting for their rights in China? Mm-hmm. So these are all things that, that can be done. In my interaction with uh, people in the, uh, in, in the federal government in the U.S., I don't think it's a lack of tools that they have. It's really a lack of political will. And then when it comes to people like me, to our listeners who, who hear this and who say, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm maybe not in a position of, of authority, of, of government leadership, but I want to do something. I mean, when I, when I finished watching the film Unsilenced, frankly, I, I felt very angry. I wanted to do something. I wanted to help. But we're left with that question of what, what does that actually look like? practically. And we know, obviously, you know, so much persecution has taken place in China right now, even as we speak, the Uyghur Muslims are facing tremendous amount of persecution. What can we do? It's actually easy. <laughs> Awareness is the most powerful thing. I, I truly believe it. So if you haven't seen the film, come to watch it, share it with your friends and family. If enough people realize what's going on, if they know what's going on in China, if you know that what happens in China 
has a direct impact on our lives here in America. I think that's that will be the most powerful thing. The politicians will be forced to take action. I I, I do want to mention that a, a lot of people may feel、uh, the urge to do something because it's the、uh, human rights atrocities in China are, are are so terrible. Yes, of course, but also even for a practical side,、uh, if we can. Urge the CCP、uh, to, if we, somehow we can、uh, have them be be more transparent, it actually benefit everybody here as well. Think about the pandemic, right? There is dispute on the origin of the virus, yeah, but there is almost no dispute that in the beginning of this pandemic, the CCP censored this outbreak. They punished Dr. Li Wenliang, who was the whistleblower. He later died of of COVID. If they were more transparent, if they work with the international society, then we wouldn't have such a pandemic worldwide, right? So, share with your friends and family. Call your representatives. Tell them that you that this means a lot to you. If enough people do that, we will then see the change. Unsilenced is、uh, playing right now in select theaters, so you can look up and see if it's playing in a theater near you.、Um, but, Mr. Lee, is there、uh, any other way right now for individuals to access the film? At the moment, it's only in theaters.、Uh, you can go to unsilencedmovie.com to look at the list of theaters.、Uh, I'm hoping to somehow get it onto the streaming platforms so more people can watch it. But so far,、uh, I don't have any confirmation yet. I hope that、uh, the platforms will have the guts to pick to pick it up, <laughs>、uh, <Yes> . because <laughs> there there will be a large audience who who want to see this. We've got、mm-hmm. very positive feedback of our first week. I was told that many screenings ended with the、uh, standing ovations, so people want to see this. Yeah, and、well, I certainly recommend it. Anyone, if you watch it, bring some tissues. It's.、Uh, It's a really, really powerful film. Very, very well done. And Mr. Lee, thank you so much for your time, for your work on this movie, on so many powerful films,、uh, and for taking the time to to share a little bit about why you chose to make this movie and why it's so important for this moment in history. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. You can find the Daily Signal podcast wherever you enjoy listening. That includes Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Please be sure to leave us a review and a five star rating on Apple Podcasts if you haven't, and encourage others to subscribe. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you all back here tomorrow morning. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Virginia Allen and Kate Trinko. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, please visit DailySignal dot com.